0: Hey everybody and welcome to Mom of the Hard Kid. Today I'm gonna to be referencing something that I've already spoken about. My husband was watch was listening, sorry, to the podcast that I did on Bruce D. Perry and the boy who was raised as a dog and my feelings on chapter nine of that book. And I made a reference in that podcast to an event that happened while we are at church. Now my husband doesn't sit with us at church. He sits an, in a different spot and it would all make sense, but I don't want to go into it. So it's not relevant to the story, but I go out into the lobby with my daughter and my daughter is grouchily yelling at me in a whisper. And when I referenced it and she's, she's talking like this, like she's really mad nah, 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 kind of stuff. Right? So i There was a time when I, and I'm so glad I get to factually correct this because I was feeling a little guilty. Um, I say, she says, I am feeling better and I "I am calm down. And I said, well, then how come you sound like a troll in a cave? And so I was the one that brought up troll. And then she has, I have a neighbor lady come in and she's sitting there and she so my daughter then tries to appeal to her and is like, mom, why did you call me an ugly, disgusting troll in a cave or something like that? Right. So my husband was listening to, to this and I had already explained this piece to him and how I wished I could, you know, make it a little bit more clear because it just sits unwell with me if I don't. Um, and he was like, I don't know what I do. He goes, I don't know what I would do if I was in that situation. So today, we're going to be talking about what I do. Um, You can take it as a recommendation or just as information if you want. But what I do when my child starts trying to triangulate or get people against me or make accusations in a false nature while I'm there. Now, just as a little background for any of you who haven't been following along, my daughter is five years old. She has reactive attachment disorder, anxiety, PTSD, um, ODD, even though they're lumping, they lump that in a little bit with the reactive attachment disorder. Um, we'll go into more of that later as well. I I feel like there's more but um oh ADHD I'm not sure I said that one this time but she has right now I think eight official diagnoses and she's medicated for two of those diagnoses because you can't medicate for reactive attachment disorder and her reactive detachment disorder shows up as disinhibited social engagement disorder which is essentially the same thing except for in reactive attachment they are Shy and in disinhibited social engagement disorder, they are way too outgoing. So she is charming until she's not charming. So here is what I do when I encounter that situation where my daughter has now turned to somebody else and it, it could be my husband. She doesn't do it with my husband very much because he's not around very often. He's got a very busy schedule, but he also takes my side most of the time. He takes, he takes, I, I can think of once when he didn't take my side and, um, I will go into this hopefully in depth too, but if any of you have a relationship and you are raising a child with reactive attachment disorder, know that there will be triangulation between you and the other parent because their whole goal is to, I want you to think of it like, because I was trying to explain this to my husband, so I'm just going to try to explain it to you because he's like, I I don't know what you're talking about. And I said, have you ever been mad at me and you've done something like seen my my book on the bed and you just are so mad at me that you just pick up that book and just like toss it to a different spot? Just, I mean, you're not throwing it. You're not angry. You're just moving it because you're like, stupid butt. Like, (laughs) mad. And so you do this stupid thing because you're mad and he's like, "Sure." And I was like, "That is where this child lives." This child lives in that exact moment of of brain space where you're annoyed so you're like, "Oh yeah, well, here, have a little bit harder of a day for me." Click, you know, like whatever that is. That that little space and a lot of people, I mean, some people live there. There's a lot of people who live live there a lot. But I think a lot of us as a majority, just kind of visit there very rarely. And, but that's, (laughs) so you have to know that that is kind of the headspace that they're in right now. So I'm going to break apart exactly what we did in this instance, because it kind of just mirrors everything we do in every instance. So she had talked like that, And she was growling when she was speaking. So and I was truly I said it to try to make her laugh. It did not work. But that is what I was trying to do. And she (laughs) uh, she then you know, she turns to the lady and she can't help herself because she's young. So she's putting on this show, but she wants to see how the lady is taking it in. So she turns to the lady. So that's a big sign for me. I can tell she's doing it even if the lady is behind me or the person is behind me. It does occur to me as I'm speaking that most of the time she does this to ladies, but she will also do this to other, like to men, um, where she will just try to discredit me and embarrass me. And, um, but so she looks over at the lady and, and says, and she does this quite dramatically and she does, she repeats herself. So she says the same thing, maybe 10, 12 times to, you know, cause the lady isn't really picking up on what she's dropping off. So she goes, why do you call me an ugly troll? I'm not an ugly troll. You called me an ugly, hideous, disgusting troll and I'm not one. I'm not. You can't make me be one kinds of things, right? Well, in my luck, the lady that she's talking to is aware of her um personality. Um but because she's not responding. She's, she continues saying it. So what I do is I, let's see, how do I enter into this? First, my first piece of advice for this is if you do something, it's going to be told these kind of kids, oh my goodness, if you do something wrong, this kid will tell. And they don't understand the whole concept of, you know, the boy who cries wolf. They don't care. They're just, they just want to discredit you. They will tell the real stuff. They will tell tell the fake stuff. But my biggest piece of advice is to live honestly because that is where you are going to get your power from when you are dealing with any person who acts like this because there are plenty of grown-ups who behave this way and if you want to get away from a narcissistic person or a borderline personality disorder person or somebody who who can you know who always tries to make you the bad guy the best thing you can do is live honestly if you've done something bad, you admit to something bad. If you have not done something bad, you do not admit to that bad thing. You just say, Nope, I didn't do that. Like, so here's what happened. In this instance, she says, Oh, la, 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 you called me a troll. La, 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 la. And I said, I was not referring to you being a troll. I said, your voice sounded like a troll. So then because now I'm in the point where I have to also convince this lady. (laughs) And it's not a place where I want to be. I don't want to have to explain every little stupid thing I say to my five-year-old to the, the whole world. But I, you know, here I am, I have to. So then I say to her, I didn't do that. You know, I didn't do that. That is not what I said. Now you have to take emotion out of it because if you take emotion out of it, she knows that everyone around you will then think that you're acting out of desperation. No, I know I didn't say that. I don't need to get in her face about it, but I do need to stop this crazy train from derailing. So I just tell the truth And then I don't let her continue without me telling the truth. But you said, I didn't say that. I didn't say that. I said, your voice sounded like it when you talked like this. I said, so that is what I said. I did not say you were a disgusting troll. Now you keep everything factual. You don't console them at this time, or I guarantee you will play with this a whole lot more. You just speak factually to your child because they can't I mean they can because they're very good at arguing but they can't argue against the truth it is so much harder for them and you can hold your ground better when it's the truth you don't get angry you don't get snarky I tend to now that we've made a lot of progress kind of go into the funny zone like when I um teased her about being a troll and it didn't work. It has worked in the past. So I now venture into that area. But if you're new to this, don't even venture into that area. You just say, uh, -uh, that isn't what happened. That's not what happened. Sorry. uh," -uh." And (laughs) you don't need to do more because they can't argue with that uh-huh, you said this? No, I didn't say that. And then as it progressed, because she kept going, I then said, you are taking this to a place where it's like, I call it crazyville. That's how we speak it in our house. You're taking this to crazyville. I was like, and it's not okay. You're trying to make me look bad in front of that lady. And I, I, I call her out, but I don't use a very, a negative um, accusatory tone. I just state it. And in a way I could say that it sort of slants accuse like a, a scolding. Like I think that I slant scolding because I say, because that's my job as the mom to sort of say, uh, uh-uh, you did the wrong thing here. And I have to let her know that it's the wrong thing. But other than the t- small slant, I don't go anywhere else. Because she can't, if you enter into emotions, this girl will steamroll the crap out of you. (laughs) She's amazing because I'm pretty emotional and I can, I can hit highs and I can hit lows and she blows me out of the water. It's actually kind of funny, just on a little personal note, since we're so strangery my husband is kind of an even guy. He doesn't get very mad and he doesn't get like weirdly happy like some of us are capable of getting, right? If you look at life as a roller coaster, his roller coaster's fairly flat. It's just got a few bumps in it and it's no big deal. Now my roller coaster, it's got some big waves in it and I can go up and I can go down and I've had some really happy happies and I've had some really low lows. But My kid can blow me out of the water. She has the highest highs in the entire world and she has the lowest lows in the entire world. And it is just, and she has an endurance in those areas. Not, I mean, she can, she can last and happy for a while, but when it comes to the negative ones, I think it's easier for all of us to kind of be a little bit, um, more capable of holding the negative ones longer it'd be cool if it if it wasn't true but I think it's true and so I can't get on that playing field with her it does not help solve anything because then it turns into a conflict and a confrontation and it doesn't turn into a learning experience I am using this experience to stop her in the path and say, your behavior is not okay. Your behavior is not true. And if it hurt your feelings, we can talk about that. Cause I will say that too. If it hurt your feelings, we can talk about that, but that isn't what I said. That isn't what I meant. And I do think that you know that. Now I made reference in that very same podcast. to the fact that you have to like attack things from every angle. And what I meant is this kind of stuff where you have to say, um, You have to call them on their behavior and you have to explain your own behavior. And then you have to tell them that you think that they already knew that behavior and that you think that they already knew that they were um, being dishonest and trying to discredit and whatever it is that you have to call them on everything. Because when you're dealing with kids like this, you're dealing with kids that have nothing as a start when babies are born, they learn a lot of lessons from looking up at mom and eating and um, having that close eye contact while they're eating. They learn a lot from when they cry and someone responds. They learn a ton from all of the things that we take it, you know, for granted in normal everyday baby rearing. And they're missing so much. They don't have any of the skills. They don't have any of the submission that comes when you cry and then someone takes care of you. They don't have any of that submission that naturally happens to every other baby that's been properly taken care of with very, very few exception. And so you are you are having to teach this child everything. You have to teach them societal boundaries. You have to teach them interpersonal relationships. You have to teach them everything because they are starting from nothing. And it's not even that they're starting from an, I mean, they're starting from an area where there, it is not only just there's nothing, but it is so smooth (laughs) But nothing even sticks to it. It slides off. You have to put so many hours in, hour after hour after hour after hour, because you have to teach every concept that naturally happened. And if you you take it just as the time it takes from being a baby to being 12 months old, that is a solid year of learning and they didn't get anything at nighttime, and they didn't get anything during the daytime, and they maybe got a little piece of something here and there, but they didn't get anything. And you have to teach them. So another thing you have to do is learn it yourself. You have to be honest with yourself so that you can understand why they're thinking that way or where they might be coming from or how you react in a similar way, like with the book like with the book throwing and how you, you, you just tossed it. You were just being snarky, but the feelings that you're feeling and that they're feeling there, you have to put yourself in a really introspective place because you then have to teach them how to have an introspective place because they don't have one. They've never, they've never had to because everything flipped into survival that they didn't get a chance to flip into introspection or to any of these basic things. So you have to teach every piece. And it is, I promise, the longest thing you will ever do. (laughs) But I also promise that if you don't, you will pay for it later. One of the sayings that they say that I cannot remember exactly is... Uh, an ounce of prevention is better than a pound of cure or prevents a pound of cure. I knew I wouldn't get it. But it is because you, if you're the younger you can start your child, but it doesn't matter the age. But the time that you put in it at the beginning of your relationship with this child, since a lot of these children are adopted, the time that you put in at the beginning will definitely pay off as time goes on. Now, it will not feel this way. It will not feel this way. I like to use the analogy of a deep, 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 deep hole. And you're just filling up the hole. They're not even on level with somebody, but you are filling up the hole. And every shovel full of dirt that you put in there, every lesson that they learn is putting them a little bit better and a little bit better and a little bit better even though they're still in the hole. And when you look at them, you can't even see the top of their head. They're so deep in this hole. And you've been shoveling dirt in there for years. But you'll hit a point where you don't have to yell down the hole to them because the top of their head is only maybe a foot underneath instead of 25 feet. Like, It will add up and it does pay off. And you have a child who for some stupid reason, when they are neglected, they start out less than newborn age. (laughs) I didn't even know that was possible, but I truly believe that they are less than newborn age and you have to work and work and work and work to get them to a point where they're even at newborn age. There was this one time where my little one was probably three years old, maybe almost four. And she was really, really angry. And I had to put her in the car. And I was getting angry. So I had to stand outside this car because I was getting mad. We were on like 25 minutes of tantrums, which isn't like terribly long for her, but I, it was loud and she was doing it on purpose because that is her thing. She loves to just shove um, that kind of stuff in your face, but she was, she was screaming and then all of a sudden it turned into a newborn cry and she's in the car in the this parking lot and she is newborn crying because the rest of my kids were inside this other building <clears throat> That's why I didn't go home. And I was like, it was the weirdest thing. And she just newborn cried for like 15 minutes. And she's not mad at me anymore. She's just, I mean, excuse me, because some of the stuff she does is very directed at me. This was just like, I give up and she started sobbing like a newborn. And I, I recorded it. I have a million recordings. They're all over the place, but I recorded it somewhere. But I went to her therapist and I said, This happened. This happened. And she's like, that is really healthy. That is a really good thing. And I thought, I believe you. Like I believe that this child has hit this point that she never had hit before. And I won't go too much into this because it's taking quite a bit of time, but but my my point is then you have to build from from there. Because from the instant that they are born, especially these kids that go through drug withdrawal, they are set in a fight or flight situation. And I think that the kids, this is my personal belief, that have reactive attachment disorder, I think they get stuck in fight. I think they... You know, there's some of them that have some flight in there, but I think most of things, and the reason it's so hard is they are permanently stuck in fight. And so you spend your whole day, the minute you wake up to the minute you fall asleep, or they wake up and they fall asleep, fighting. It doesn't matter. It can be about the color of the sky, it can be about whether or not somebody breathed heavy, it can be about it's just fighting. Because for some reason, that's their home base. That's their comfort spot. That is what has to shift. So pulling back to what happens, one of the reasons that I absolutely believe that you need to be 100% honest with yourself is because you need to offer this child an absolute an absolute. Now I am crazy sometimes and I am off my rocker. Sometimes I'm hilarious. Sometimes I'm mad. Sometimes I'm sad. Like I, I run the full gambit of emotions, right? But my child can still rely on me because I have said, I will be honest. I will honestly be honest with you at all times. Um, one of my favorite sayings that I like to say is don't ever lie to these children Ever if you know your ice cream is not spicy your candy is not medicine you do not lie to these children even the stupid stuff you don't lie to we have reached a point where i will lie to her and then tell her like 10 seconds later and when i'm saying that i am referring to jokes when she says mom did you say we were going to do this and i i will say now i have never said that in my entire life which is obviously a lie and then I will turn to her and say, I'm just kidding. You don't even do that when they're in a bad place. You only do 100% completely honest. If they are being annoying, you do indeed tell them that you are, they are being annoying. When they are making you mad, you do indeed tell them that they are making you mad because they know it they know they are they've read your face they've read your body language they know you are and they have the hardest time with the disconnect between what they are reading in you and what you are saying because it's it's really tempting to say i love you child i love you and, and you know and to just fight through it and be like oh my gosh this kid is the worst thing that has ever happened to me i love you child <laughs> Like, it's so tempting to be like, I know this is the mature thing to do. And when it comes to to normal brain children, it's not so bad. You just fight through the bad parts, right? But these kids have read you already. They already know. They have been, you know, when I think of my my own situation, I imagine my little girl sitting in her crib. And I imagine her being so desperate for her parents to come into the room. And I imagine her that when they came in, she was super hyper focused on them and evaluating absolutely everything. And I think she kind of got stuck in that place of anxiety. So my gift to her, the best thing I can offer her is not love. It's, it's an honest, safe place to be. It is a place where she can and when I say safe, I mean, of course, you want to have them physically safe, but I am referring to more of like a stable place. I am her home base. And I had to give her 100% honesty in order for her to know where my home base, that uh, I mean, that I was a home base for her. She can trust me because I have given her the good, the bad and the ugly. And it has gotten incredibly ugly sometimes um, because it's so it's so stupid hard. And I have said some stuff to this girl and I'm just like, oh my word, I can't believe those words came out of my mouth. But I will tell you this one story because it's embarrassing, but I think it was so helpful. And I do not recommend this. Um, you cannot force this type of situation to happen. But one of the things that was really critical to me is I never wanted to tell her I hated her. And I will just flat out be honest that there have definitely been times that I have hated her. And where I have been in my own survival mode because of thing after thing after thing after thing. And when I say every minute of every day, I'm not kidding. It's every minute of every day. And so I was at the grocery store, lots of stuff apparently happens when I'm out, but we were at the grocery store and she kept doing this thing that she does. That's kind of hard to explain that she does it with her mouth and she knows that it's it's a sign of her flipping into one of her moods is what we call it. She's doing this thing. She's doing a couple of other things. She keeps pulling everything off of the shelves. She's five years old. Like she knows not to do this kind of stuff. Um, and then she keeps going up to people. I mean, she's inside the, the cart baby carrier part, like where you stick your little kids in the front. And but we would walk and she's like, mom, why are you following that person? It's so weird. Why are you following them? You are so weird. I can't believe how crazy you are. That kind of stuff, right? So then I get to the checkout and they're only doing self-checkout. I have a gigantic cart full of stuff and they only have the self-checkout where you're only supposed to have like 20 things for some reason. Like, so I'm like putting stuff in bags and then I'm having to put it on the floor because I still have stuff in my cart and there's not the little like rotator thing that slides your food down. the the conveyor belt, they don't, they're not, they don't have that. And so here I am, you know, I'm surrounded by groceries on the ground. I'm trying to get out cause I'm already angry. And then she, she just, won't stop because she can see I'm losing it and it's entertaining for her, so she's like, Oh my gosh, you oh, what did she say? I can't remember what she said, but she's pestering me, and I just want to leave. I just want to get out. So we get to the car. I'm I made it. I made it to the car. I'm sure there was a lot of stuff said under my breath, but I am doing my best. And we get to the car and she starts. Yelling at me. And I just turned around and I looked in her face and I screamed. This is really impressive. I hate this part about me, but I'm going to be honest. I screamed in her face, I hate you. I hate you so much. And she went so quiet. And I was like, I have ruined it. I have ruined it. It is already hard. I have just made everything 25,000 times harder. Oh my gosh, I just ruined it. So I'm panicked because anytime you disrupt these children, you are getting a volcano. I promise. (laughs) So I, here I am. I'm like, brace yourself for the volcano. But for some reason she was quiet for like 20 minutes. She'd never in her entire life been quiet for 20 minutes and she's quiet for 20 minutes and I don't say anything. She doesn't say anything. We just sit and we get home and she walks inside the house. She doesn't run. She doesn't jump. She doesn't pull on anything. She just walks inside the house. I bring on all the groceries. I put all the groceries away. I send her to her bed and when I do that, I say, I'm obviously upset I'm sending you to your bed so I can calm down. That's and so she goes onto her bed and I come back up after I put the groceries away and I said I know that I got upset at the store and I know that I yelled at you and I am sorry that I yelled at you. But I made very clear, not clear, but I I made a point for myself not to say that I didn't hate her because I did at the time. And she looked up at me and she looked at me with these little, she has the most gorgeous big eyes. And she goes, I hate you too. And I was like, I know. And then she just laid down. And it was like the weirdest, most pivotal moment in our relationship. And it shouldn't have been because this is a horrifying situation. But it was like, because I had never said that to her, she felt like she was wrong for ever feeling it about me somehow, I think. And so as soon as I said it, it was almost like she had permission to feel it herself. And I'm not saying that like life was super easy after that, but I am going to say that She then started screaming in her tantrums thereafter, in her rages, that she hated me. And her tantrums became gigantically shorter. And I don't know what to really attribute it to, but I do like to think that it is because she knew She knew there was discord there. She knew I was upset. She knew all of those things. But I was trying so hard to not have that be the case. And it took two weeks before we had the conversation where I said, you know, I was really mad. I do say these things. I was, I was very angry and but I want you to know, I still want everything that's best for you. I said, I could I could hate you to the moon, and I would still want everything that's best for you. I want you to be a successful grown-up. I want you to have a good life. I want you to learn things. I want you to have friends at school. I said, I still want all of those things for you, even though sometimes I'm so angry. And I, I, <laughs> it's It's hard to glorify this type of situation because it's kind of an abhorrent situation. But I really think it was such a powerful change for us. I think it made us just kind of come to a point where we were honest with each other and in a reality that I'd already thought that I was being completely honest. And I think it actually made her feel like she could rely on the me that I was more because one of the one of our favorite sayings or most repeated let's say that because I'm not sure it's our favorite the one of our most repeated sayings is have you ever been mad at me yeah do you love me anyway yeah because there's a lot of in our whole family you hate me you hate me kinds of things going on because those I mean, because kids feel that way and you have big feelings, you don't know what to do with them. But, you know, to say, hey, you can have big feelings. Do you hate me? No. Well, I don't hate you either. Like, I still love you, even though there are these gigantic feelings. And I can also tell you that at the time, things have shifted to a point where love is for real what I feel for this kid. I am so proud of her. I am proud of her siblings that have gone through so much and been so ignored with all of my attention having to go to this one child. I'm really proud of them. I think they do so well. And I, and I tell them so and I, and I try to give them, you know, their time so that they know that I value who they are and what they've done. But they've just matured in a way that is so impressive it's so impressive. I'm just really proud of those kids. They are an amazing set of siblings to this child. And I mean, if I could tell you the craziness, I don't want. But I think that this kid is a really good fit for our family. And I think our family is a really good fit for this kid. And so I, I will, (laughs) I will never recommend any of this, to somebody I will never but I can tell you that there was a time when I regretted I regretted my decisions and the decisions I'd made and now those those feelings are rare and don't come up as often and I'm just really thankful for that so I know I get off on tangents but I hope that it helps any of you guys who are going through that false accusation, whatever, I call it triangulation, but I'm not really sure that's what it is when it's with strangers. But when you are dealing with that kind of thing, so my advice is be honest with yourself. Be honest with your child Do not be emotional because the lessons, even though my second story kind of (laughs) makes that seem not true, the lessons will be taught better when you use calm language and you are very mellow and you are not dismissive when you are intently, you know, making it very important, but you are not making it an emotional area because that's a battlefield that you're not going to have the advantage on and it's it's just not beneficial and and so that is my recommendation to anybody who is in a situation where you find yourself awkwardly having to deal with other adults and your child's attempts to throw you under the bus and i want you to do this in any time that they've embarrassed you in public i want you to you know call them out on their behavior without emotion you've already taught them the things that they're supposed to do. And you remind them of the things that they're supposed to do. So I wish all of you the luck and the best of luck in the world because this is a hard journey. And you're stronger than you know. Thanks for listening.